This, this is University Radio Bath. They think it's all over. It is Hello and welcome to another episode of They Think It's All Over. We're back after a few weeks out and it really has been a topsy-turvy few weeks in the football world. We've had lockdowns, fire breaks, more tears than the English League pyramid, Premier League, Champions League, Nations League, you name it. And of course, every manager's favourite, the busy Christmas schedule is coming right up. We've got matches galore over the next few weeks and Amazon Prime specials so much to talk about on the podcast today and here to discuss it all is the usual lineup of david morgan all right mate yeah good to have you on mate once again also here is matthew dawes you're right lad yeah good to hear from you again and uh, scott hyron all right pal <laughs> bit quiet there hyron you're right mate all right yeah sorry uh, you're right <laughs> How, how's life going for you boys uh been in and out of lockdowns as i mentioned and uh all been a bit difficult but Getting on with it, okay? Same old, same old, isn't it? Just uh, nothing to do, stuck indoors, watching football. I think that's pretty much life at the minute, isn't it? Any of you boys been back in the stadium yet or all been stuck at home? No chance. <laughs> 2,000 tickets and now zero tickets. Yeah, of course, no London going tier three. It's a bit interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah only four teams left that can have fans isn't it in the premier league yeah that'd be one crazy yeah, the premier league, where, yeah, yeah. The way you do i was gonna say I'm, to be I fair you'd be lucky not to be one of the 2000 against burnley put it this way from the what the rumors of some of those tickets went for <laughs> no that's like that's a crime oh, no. if you bought one of those tickets on the third on the third hand market like yeah, black market must have been rough yeah, right. me. Well, yeah. we've got so much to talk about on today's episode, but I did want to start with Arsenal, actually, um, as we mentioned it there, because well, we, we've spoken a lot this season about surprise packages. Obviously, Spurs, Everton, Southampton at the top of the table being all lots of surprises for us. But I think there's been a real surprise at the Emirates because we knew that Arsenal were bad, but I don't think anyone thought that they could be this bad, surely. I mean... 15th in the league after losing to Burnley at home on the weekend. Where's it all gone wrong, Rod? <sighs> it's, it's a tough time for me at the moment. You know, I opened up the Premier League table and then I had to scroll to find my club, which is a very, very sad thing to have to do at this moment in time. <laughs> like, oh, I think the players are letting the manager down. I think creatively we're just at an all-time low you know the strikers are getting no service and the discipline at the club is a shambles at the moment really I, I just don't know what's going wrong with the players players just seem to be acting like you know that they're, they're, they're UFC fighters half the time you know Xhaka going for chokeholds Pepe going for like headbutts it's it's just a mess at the moment and yeah it's killing me inside. I think the worrying thing is you look at that table and we always joke every year because I'm sure, especially recently, it's been one of the, the so-called big teams that's been down there. I think it was United and now Arsenal there. 13 points from 15 games, sorry, from 12 games and uh, sitting in 15th place. Just five points above Fulham in 18th, who arguably in good form. And, you know, you're actually genuinely in danger here of being dragged into a relegation battle. And, it just seems that there's no there's no sign of like picking up form and getting out of it. 
Yeah, um, I don't. I don't really. I think the main thing that's got to change is that I think we've just got to completely chuck out a load of players that just quite simply aren't aren't performing, and I think they need to be left out of the squad to sort of, you know, fight. Take a good long look at themselves and decide whether they want to actually play for Arsenal or not, and give some of the kids a chance. Because in the Europa League, you know, we haven't lost a game, top of the group, and the kids that are playing in those games are putting in performances. Mm. And yeah, I know it's I know it's farmers in the Europa League, but they're just looking a lot better than some of these Premier League players that we've paid good money for, like Bellerin. He's been woeful. Free foul throw-ins. That's under six level stuff. Like, oh, I just can't. I can't even begin to go into it. Like, so many players have been poor in the squad. Lots of people blaming the manager, but some of these things, like, you know, he's not expected to coach throw-ins now. And he he shouldn't have to tell players like Xhaka and Pepe to keep their heads cool. Like, Xhaka overreacted to his own foul. He fouled the player. Afterwards, <laughs> I think I think there's a lot of issues here. Like we, we've you've touched on quite a lot there, Rod. Obviously, you've got experienced players not playing well. The manager may be in question, but probably unfairly. And of course, the discipline. I, I wanted to start with. Obviously, I think the most glaring thing is the uh, the goals. Where where the goals are coming from? I mean, you just you can't see it happening really. Obviously, Abamyang and. Lacazette, I think they've got five goals between them in the Premier League this season. And, you know, after 12 games, that is really poor for what is, you know, yeah. in, in truth, should be a, a top-class strike partnership. But what, what do you think has happened with them? Where, where where have they fallen off the pace? Well, I, I had a look at, I think it popped up on my feed, Aubameyang's expected goals. Against Man City, he had an expected goals of zero, which means that he did not get one single chance with a goal scoring opportunity the whole game like it they're just there doesn't our midfield is appalling creatively at the moment the only time it's looked good was when we had Partey and his injury has basically led to this downfall which is just crazy that one player being injured can effectively tear apart a midfield I say you can't blame it all on one player really there, there has to be alternative routes for creativity and at the end of the day, maybe these strikers need to look at themselves and start creating something themselves. You know, I know I think, we can't pin it all on them, but five goals is pretty woeful for, that's, you know, yeah, nearly yeah, £100 that's, million pounds of talent. That's the main thing for me, mate, is Aubameyang looks like he's almost sort of down tools. I mean, obviously he got his huge contract extension, signing the ting and all this nonsense all over Instagram. <laughs> I think, he's, you know, he's been screwed around the week. And ever, ever since he's, he's, he's signed the contract, he's been pathetic. He doesn't look happy. He looks, he's moaning around the pitch. You know, I, I don't know what it is. He used to be the sort of guy who's sort of dancing around and doing stuff like that. But I, for me, he's, he's down tools. He looks, he looks like he's drifting out of games. He looks like he can't be bothered anymore. I mean, it'd be a big concern if I were you, Rod, in all honesty. Yeah, I think I don't think he's down tools or anything like that. He's the kind of player that relies on the passes in, into pockets so he can use his pace. He's not. He's never been the kind of striker that will sort of completely create stuff on his own. He needs that sort of pass that he's just not getting at the moment. 
Yeah, I, I can see that. But for me, he's not hes not even making the runs. But then I guess he knows that the ball isn't coming. Um, that could sort of be the counter-argument. But, you know, you've got players like Saka in there, who's who's been quite a bright spark this season. Saka's been you've our best player, player creatively. Like... Yeah, 100%. Um, and I, I, I just... I, <laughs> watching you play football these days is so bad. It's For me, it's worse than what Louis van Gaal did at United. The football <laughs> that is, is woeful. You just... Uh, it, I don't know. When was the last time you scored a goal from open play? I can't remember. Did you score? It's been. Two... You scored the pen against us. I can't believe you beat us, but that was our bottle jobs. But yeah, I just there's nothing, nothing, nothing exciting about you at the moment. I, I, and for me, you are in a relegation battle. It's as simple as that. Um, th- the performance isn't there. If you're sort of losing a few games, but you can see that there's sort of improvements and players coming in. For me. There's none of that, you know, and I, 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 I'm concerned for you this season, mate. I really am. It's I'm interesting, t- Rod. You, you mentioned kids. I'd like to know, like, what, what sort of players have you got to bring into this side? I'd obviously, I don't know the Arsenal under twenty threes that well, but have you got creative players who you can perhaps bring in, or even even strikers who can come into the side and make a difference? So we've got um, a player I'd like to see is Emil Smith Rowe. Um, who had a really good loan spell at Huddersfield last season. You know, he's 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 got sort of a, a good eye for play, passing forwards, and you know none of the none of these Xhaka sideways passes or you know booting it back to the goalie from the final third stuff. Um, like we've got Reese Nelson as well, who's a good option on the wing, likes making good direct runs. Joe Willock has performed well for us in Europa League, and he's had one or two chances in the Prem and hasn't really he hasn't. He hasn't performed well in those, but I still think he deserves more time. And, you know, just as options uh, in the striker role, Martinelli's come, coming back from his injury. He's played some minutes for the under-23s. And we've got Balogun, who has looked really good in the limited minutes he's had in Europa. So there are a lot of players there. I've listed mm. sort of maybe four or something just then that yeah, are yeah. all um, performing really well for us in the Europa League and I think deserve to be given a chance because, you know, as Dawes said, we're already down in that relegation scrap. Can't get much worse, well, can yeah, it? I mean, look at that, your next five games. is is They always say in the Premier League there's never any easy games, but I really feel this season that's especially the case given how many teams are creeping up and doing so well. Southampton at home, tough game. Everton away, tough game. You have City in the um, Carabao Cup, then then Chelsea at home. Brighton away isn't even easy. I mean, Bright, um, United only just won that, and that was the hundredth minute penalty. It's um, there's no easy games, and I, I really don't know where you can get these points from. It's, it's such a, it's such a challenging year because there's so many I, good teams. I think for me, sorry, for, for for me, Arteta in these next sort of few games, obviously they're against the so-called big teams. He should revert to what he did in the FA Cup run last season where he changed his style of, uh, and his system against City and against Chelsea yeah. to get results. Whereas, I, I think if he does that at Everton, he could get a result. If he does that against Chelsea, he could get a result. If he if he keeps playing the way he's doing, he, he's in for a hide and they'll lose all four games. Especially if Southampton are flying. Everton at Goodison are always tough to beat. So for me, he's sort of got to adapt his tactics over these next few weeks just to get some points on the board. Because if suddenly you're coming into Christmas and you're two or three points above the relegation zone, dearie me, that could be, yeah, could be it, an absolute shambles. 
it's crazy because you know before this bad run of games, you know, in the since Arteta took over, we'd beaten Liverpool, City, United, and Chelsea mm. across competitions. So he's proven that with he can lead us um, to big results. But I just don't. I for me, I can't see exactly what's missing at the moment, like because something is fundamentally wrong with. The, with our football at the moment. Interesting thing to mention, the leadership, because, uh, again, from uh, Match of the Day 2, I I was watching on uh, Sunday, and uh, Jermaine Genus, actually, I mean, obviously, he's not really got the best uh, punditry in in the world, but his his comment about David Luiz, I thought, was quite interesting. Um, I've just searched it now. He says... David Luiz is the lieutenant. Bemiang might have the armband, but he's the one who's kind of saying how things go among that group. And David Luiz, he's not playing. I, I don't know if he's injured or just out, out of favour. Do you think he's a big loss for Arsenal? I think his experience, it, like everyone makes jokes about him being a clown, but if you look at his resume... Sideshow like, Bob. <laughs> yeah. You can't you can't really argue with it with his resume when you look back at everything he's won and the t- and the sides he's played in. So I it's hard to sort of you know because you don't know exactly what's said on the pitch. But yeah, of course we have we have played well with him in the side, but I I don't I don't think his absence can have can make us play that awfully. I think- I just feel like they're right. shaking up almost. There's a bit of someone just sort of shouting their ear saying, this is ridiculous, you know, you've got to get your act together. Whereas, who's doing that at the moment? Xhaka, but then he goes and tries to strangle a player and gets a red card, you know? Yeah. Who, who, who's who's the authority on the pitch? I don't know. I think, that, I think that is potentially the big issue, that there isn't, you know, sort of that big character on the pitch at the moment. Yeah. Um, Abebeyang should be stepping up and being that character because he's, he's got the armband, but, I think you see it with a player yeah. like Thiago Silva at Chelsea, for example. I think he brings that type of thing that, say, even David Luiz does bring. I think David Luiz, although he does make mistakes and things like that, I think he does brush himself off sometimes and say, "Okay, I've made a mistake," but I'm still. He doesn't like get scared or anything. He he will just carry on do what he does, and I think I suppose you have to appreciate what he does there. I think Thiago Silva is that type of player for Chelsea because yeah. I don't think they had any real leadership before he arrived, and I think he's done a great job there as well i think it's very similar type of players yeah definitely on david louise after his uh, calamitous game against city he came <laughs> out and did the post-match interview and basically said you know i take full responsibility for the team's loss today it was entirely my fault exactly i mean where's Xhaka doing that you know exactly or pepe like both yeah. of those games like i thought we could have gone on and won if we kept all 11 players on the pitch, like we were, we were playing very well against Burnley before then we were creating yeah. chances after yeah. the half. Like I, you know, it looked like we were going to score there and then lost, lost the man heads. And then just heads went El Nene. We haven't even touched on it, but he was lucky to remain on the pitch. Yeah. Like, been a red. We genuinely got shown pity by the refs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, but didn't the ref go to the screen for that? He went to the yeah, monitor. He did. And I think, I think, I might be mistaken, but that's the first time the ref's gone to the monitor and not agreed with the VAR because the VAR was pushing for a, a red card, but the ref's actually gone, no, it, it's a yellow. 
I feel I like if we if we hadn't time. already had one red, it would have been a second. Third time as it does. Right. Yeah. There's another there's another one in the in the Liverpool Fulham game. Yeah. VAR said that she did give a pen, but uh, Mariner course, yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for yeah. whatever reason. I mean how it wasn't Joke. a pen, I'll never know. Obviously he's probably a Liverpool fan and probably deals them in as much as possible, but yeah, that, that's sort of the other instance. But Liverpool, mate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've written tone is that you never walk alone. <laughs> <laughs> Class rock. Well, the, the the last thing we've got to mention, I think, I know what Dawes' opinion is on this already from what he said, but you know, with with these things, as it always happens in the Premier League, you've got to eventually the buck the buck stops with the manager, doesn't it? And is it Arteta's style of play that that is to blame? You know, it, it could be argued that he needs to change things in the next few matches, and if he doesn't, could he could his job be on the line? Oh, I think his job's 100% on the line. Whether it should be or not is another question completely. Frustratingly, as is the case with players, um, changing the manager will often, even if it's not the manager's fault, cause a new manager bounce and results will pick up and everyone will think it was the manager's fault, but then it'll die out again. And yeah, you're back where you were with a different manager. So I think think his job is very much on the line. He's on thin ice with the board because the board will want to start seeing results. But, you know, the players are letting him down, lots of them. You know, if we'd if we'd won the Leeds and the Burnley game, we'd be back up on 19 points, sitting just behind City, you know. And both of those games were completely thrown away by players. And so I think, I think, the manager should stay and be given the the full season because he's got yeah. to be he's got to be given time to actually develop his own squad because he's inherited a lot of a lot of poor players signed by previous managers. Yeah, well, that's your uh, cross examination over Rod. I think you responded quite well. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> Thank you. We'll we'll move on and um, chat about some other big news over the last few days, which of course. Um, was the European competition draws, which were particularly interesting for um, Manchester United and Man City. Of course, Arsenal get in uh, Benfica, which is a tough game for them. Um, Before we do that, I wanted to talk a little bit about the extremely boring match that we saw on the weekend in the Manchester derby. Um, I didn't know if the door wasn't hard. You you had any any comments on that? Yeah, I mean, mean, the worst derby I've ever seen. Yeah, it was it was probably a fair statement. But I, I I said it to you boys at the time. I do not understand Pep's approach to the game at all. We were in, obviously, we just lost against Leipzig, put us out of the Champions League. So we're on a massive downer in terms of confidence. City have been sort of playing well the last few weeks. If he'd have just come out and attacked us, we'd have been in big big trouble. But he, he turned up, two banks of four, two holding midfielders, and took the nil nil. I I just don't understand it. Um, Obviously, now looking back, Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea all drop points. So I think it's a really big miss for City in that title race to not go out and attack us and win the game. I mean, I'm happy with nil-nil because I thought I thought we'd get destroyed. Obviously, we were on a massive down, but City were on a massive up. But I couldn't believe it. I honestly couldn't believe what Pep was doing, Harry. I don't know what your thoughts are. It's it's hard to hard to say really. I think you you can look at it in two ways and say it's one point gained, but also two points dropped and I, I I want to say the latter more really but I think Pep, Pep's really weird this season I think he's being more pragmatic but I also think he doesn't quite trust 
the midfield, I think. I think with Silva going, with Fernandinho being older than he is, I think seeing us get exposed in the past against uh, teams that are like very quick on the counter, he ju- he's very conservative in these type of games, which I, I don't always particularly want to see. I want to see us attack and just go for it because I think we could have... Um, scored a few goals against you if we really played it how we should but 100%. I think the underlying thing is that he doesn't trust Rodri maybe I don't know he, he just the midfield just doesn't seem right at the minute but thing like which not attacking so well it's it's really hard to say but I'm happy that obviously all the other teams drop points it gives us an opportunity and that Spurs and Liverpool are playing against each other I think tomorrow yeah is again yeah. an opportunity for them to drop points as long as we gain them so it's you can you can look at it both ways, but I do agree. I I it's a shame that he didn't try. I think even if we lost and went for it, we could have said, well, at least we we gave it a go. You you just don't know now since obviously played that played it out. So more signings required in January then. I mean, not not January, I don't think, but I think we're going to be out on the hunt out for another CDM because in in my opinion, I don't think Rodri. I I think for the small games. Absolutely fine, no problem. We'll probably play West Brom tonight. I mean, I might jinx myself here, but we'll probably win by a few goals. <laughs> probably do do okay. You, you, do, you don't want to play be lost. <laughs> yeah, in, in football you never know, and I could look like an idiot saying this, but Rodri probably play tonight. Be absolutely fine, but then in, in the big games, um, it'll just bypass him. And, and enough, if, if you watch Rodri enough. against United, like. He was, he was really poor. He's and not it, he's enough. not always that poor. <laughs> he's not good enough, mate. He's not but good he's, enough. He's not Fernandinho. And I think we're almost trying to force him to be a Fernandinho player and he's not that player. And that's almost not his fault. But Fernandinho is just... He's nasty, isn't he? He just... I can't he'll stand stop. Fernandinho. Nasty, man. Yeah, that, and, that, and that's the thing. That's, How that's, get that is exactly why so he's so valuable. You hate it's, him. But. It's interesting. We'll... Uh, I'm sure we'll find out there was well this podcast won't come out until after that um West Brom match so uh, we'll certainly know if Hiram is a fool or not. Um, <laughs> I, I want just want to go look, go back to the Premier League table because obviously both United and City have a game in hand but even if City were to win that they've still got a, some you know a lot of quality ahead of them in the table still Chelsea Southampton Leicester Liverpool Spurs ahead of them and I can't really see how they, how they can break into that top four if they're playing as they continue to play it as they have been. You know, I feel like they need to either look at signings in January or change something in in the the game plan because right now it just doesn't look like they're going to be any chance of making a title challenge. I, th- I think the chance of a title challenge is there. I think if if we win the game in hand, we are only three points off the top. And the top two teams, one of them has to drop points in this coming game. So that is an advantage. I think in ter- I think everyone wants signings in, in January, but I think at the end of the day, we've got to be just make the most of what we've got. Obviously, there's still the whole saga. Do we get Lionel Messi? Obviously, I'd get him every day of the week. But I think I don't mean we you need... Can on that, though, can you? Can you? you can't get wrapped up no. in that, really. It's, who knows what's going to happen in Barcelona this January? That, that's it. And I think Janu- January is al- always a complicated transfer window to manoeuvre. So I, I think it's a case of Pep's being uh, a bit more pragmatic than we're used to. I mean, we, could, we haven't conceded a goal for six games, which it, which is not really what you expect from Man City. But at the same time, we're just not scoring them. So I think 
I don't know if something needs a click. I don't know why Pep's not playing Phil Foden more. It's, That's the it's key really, me, it's, it's really, <laughs> the, answer <laughs> is on the, bench, mate. the answer is on the bench. It's Phil Foden. Just play Free him. the man. He is so in, good. Why is he in, in prison? Why is he in prison? He's not Lionel Messi. There's only one Lionel Messi, Scott. You he can't say that players out. should stay on oh. the bench just because they're not Messi. <laughs> he needs to get out of there, man. He's ruined. Yeah. Oh, it's so frustrating. I do, I do disagree. I, I think he, He's good where he is, but I I don't understand the current situation. I, I will be honest, but he's I, a glorified seat warmer at the moment. <laughs> on a long long um, long term perspective, I think he will play and he will be a big part well, of the squad. I thought, irrelevant, mate. <laughs> it, it is. I I agree. I don't know why he's not playing now, but I I, I don't know. It's Pep's being a bit pragmatic. It is strange, and I, I'm not really sure why. It's. What's but pragmatic I think in... about leaving your most great, <laughs> your best performing creative player on the bench? What is pragmatic I, about that? I, I I don't know because I think he's well. He clearly went for two holding midfield players. That that's the pragmatic side of it. But then you could obviously I I start him get ahead of Sterling or uh, Mares. But I, I get maybe that Pep's trusted players. I I don't know if I I would be managing it a different way, but. I've just got to go with what he's doing at the minute, and that's we've we've gone more, we've gone down a serious side alley here. I was supposed to be talking about the, the draw, but oh well. Uh, <laughs> I, I do have to ask you one more question, Hiron. It's something I mentioned in our group chat the other day, but I remember you said that if there were no trophies at the Etihad this season, if you didn't bring anything home, that Pep's job would seriously come into question. And I feel like you've got to look at it now. Yeah, you're all right. You're talking about the the Champions League still in with a very good chance there, and the Premier League's it's it's looking positive. You know, a couple of wins and and you could be right back in there. But you, do you still stand by that that if if you were to you know win nothing this season that it would be Pep out for you? I don't I don't think so. But it's it's difficult when he's delivered two absolutely amazing seasons, and I think everyone expected us to almost rebuild fully after last season we haven't quite done that i think but i think we're close but i think if if we do very well we we're basically getting near misses in terms of getting to the champions league final or we miss out in the premier league after the, the second last or last match day i think you can only do so much and i think it's obviously a, a weird season as well but i think if we're at least in or there around i'm happy to see pep continue for a, a, maybe one more year and then if if things are still stale at that point, I'd definitely be. Mm. Um, I, I'd never be calling for his head because I'm so appreciative of what he's done. But I'd certainly be questioning what's going on yeah, if next yeah. season we still didn't look better. I trust him for what he's the success he's brought, and I think with better luck and less individual mistakes, we could have won the Champions League potentially. But I think individual <laughs> mistakes. I, you look. You look against Liverpool. Individual mistakes by Edison. Uh, and against Tottenham, individual mistakes by Laporte, and then scored penalties, and we could have been in the semi-final against after Tottenham. So it's it's small margins like that, but in the big games where we've unfortunately been let down. Well, it's interesting. We'll, we'll come on to that now. Actually, the obviously City in Europe are, are known as as bottle jobs, especially over the last five years. I've had the sort of the ideal platform with Pep Guardiola and and the the squad they've had at their disposal, but. Haven't even reached a semi-final. Have you, have you reached a semi? No, we've not even got past the quarter-final. Not, not since Pellegrini, no. 
So we were we were thinking, um, Rod and I earlier actually about the the difficulty of, of City's draws and how maybe that throws into question some sort of bias from from UEFA because it seemed well it seemed to us initially chatting that City always seems to get a very good draw. Um, Yet still managed to uh, to throw it away some some way or another, whether that's by a small margin or a large one. I, I know Rod, you've been looking at, at the history of the draws and, and maybe some stats to to tell us something. Stat well, man, Rod. I know. Um, so this year, obviously, they have Mudge and Glad back. Easy draw, you know. <laughs> it's even easier draw draw. than easy. Arsenal's and United's in the Europa League. <laughs> Right. And Arsenal won their group and they still got managed to get a worse draw than Man City. I mean, um, glad they're a good team, though. I think th- no, they were in a tough no. group. I'm not saying they're a great team, but they were in a tough group against Real Madrid, Shakhtar, and Inter Milan. To get runners up in that group, I think, is actually quite impressive. But okay. carry on. The year before that, you did get Real Madrid in round of 16, but at the time, Real Madrid were awful. They were playing woeful football before Zidane came back. Uh, and then you got knocked out by Leon. Year before that, you got Schalke. Schalke. And followed by Spurs. Yeah. Right, these are not hard draws. And then the year before that, this is the worst one. Basel. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, it just got... seems, it seems to me that City just... I don't know. UEFA doing everything they can to help them with a nice, easy draw, but they still manage to throw it away. I, no, maybe... no, no, no. It, it... <laughs> Your groups have been atrocious. Like, the groups I haven't even touched on then. Porto, Olympiacos, Marseille. Porto won every game that. apart from the one against us and when they drew against us. Yeah, but then the year before that, Shakhtar, Dynamo, Zagreb and Atlanta. <laughs> Atalanta did well so that season. You, so you, can only, you, can only, at the end, you can only beat who's on front of you. And I think at the end of the day, we've we're not, we're not done well in our group. Yeah, but uh, the draws are the draws. They're out, they're out of our control. As, as long as we win our group, then that ideally benefits our round of 16 draw. Last year, we got Real Madrid, who we outclassed at the Bernabeu. They were used to um, it. Yeah, but they still win the league. Because Barca were so, a shambles, you know that. <laughs> no, I, I know that, but they were still the, the best of that league. And there's second, in my opinion, the second best league in the world, which I think it is. Yeah, oh, that's fair. So oh, I think that's the way you've got to look at it. I, we know what happens when City throw a bit of money at some lawyers and face <laughs> down UEFA in court. We know exactly what happens. So <laughs> I, I don't know, mate. Not a clue. But I, either way, I think obviously a very, a very favourable draw when you compare it to everyone else. Um, Munch and Gladbach I'm not going to say are the best team in the world but they came out of a tough group and I think you've got to give them respect for that but you, you know what will probably happen anyway we'll probably might beat them and then get knocked out if someone in the uh, quarterfinal anyway so I'm not getting excited for anything until <laughs> if we get to the semi-final I'm, I'm just yeah. not anymore not after the last yeah, three years you can't do it mate Pep's too much of a no. job <laughs> anyway moving on to, to Man United doors obviously we got the the David Moyes derby as is being billed against uh, Real Sociedad <laughs> in the uh, round of thirty two, who are going well actually at the moment at, at top of La Liga. Yeah, they're they're, they're a brilliant side, mate. As you know, I'm a big fan of La Liga and watch it quite often, and they've been immense this season. David Silva's 
played an integral part, so you know he's going to come back to haunt us again. Oyaz Rabal, for me, is one of the best players in Europe at the moment, and they've still got Adnan Yanazai. <laughs> so I thought he would come back and do cause Good. some damage, and Porto as well. Back from the so dead. I, I think it's just classic us, really. We have the group of death, PSG and Leipzig, go into the Europa and you think, right, okay, we'll play some team, like a Wi-Fi password, you know, Krasnodar. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, I turn on BT Sport, we've got Real Sociedad, who are currently the leaders of La Liga. I was like, oh, come on, this is a joke. But our, our draws over the last few years have been so tough. I mean, we had PSG a few years ago, we had Barcelona last season, and it's all, all happening again this year. Um, it's going to be extremely tough to get through, but the way I look at it, the Europa this season, I think I think I was looking at it that thirteen teams that are left in the Europa are currently leading their respective leagues, which is pretty 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 good at the moment. I think there's yeah, a lot. some of these these are farmers' leagues, though, yeah, mate. Come on, all the major, all the sort of all the big five leagues. You're talking about the Ukrainian, the Bulgarian, all the big five leagues, mate. Spurs are at top of the Prem. Leverkusen at the top of the Bundesliga, Sociedad at the top of La Liga. All, all the big leagues are being sort of led by teams in the Europa League at the moment. So I think it's going to be extremely tough to win that competition. Um, obviously, Arsenal got shafted as well, but it just seems like, for me, as you know, I've always thought that UEFA love, love Man City and all their oil. So I think there's been some dodgy, dodgy dealings over the last few years, and I think we're seeing it again. So I hope, I hope they bottle it. Yeah, well, well, we'll wait and see when those ties come round uh, in February and March. Um, looking back at United's uh, um, domestic form, obviously we had that draw against City on the weekend, but actually sitting ahead of City in the table uh, in eighth and on 20 points. Um, but I think really it's been quite disappointing overall from United this season. And there's been a lot of focus being well, on on the, the manager, and as soon as he's in trouble, the players start playing for him, and he gets him out of trouble. But the interesting man in that squad is, of course, the headline grabber is Paul Pogba, mm-hmm. um, who's been well. His form has not exactly been perfect this year. Um, I, I wonder what your thoughts were about him in in January, and, and whether he should move on, or whether his agents causing too much trouble, and he should just get his head down and work hard and stick at the club. What what, what do you think? could be the, the next stage for Pogba? For me, the big problem is and always has been his agent. Raiola is an absolute disgrace to the game of football. He'll open his mouth at the worst possible times to spout absolute nonsense. Um, obviously, if Pogba came out himself and said, I want to leave, I'm fed up and all this stuff, then yeah, I'd be like, actually, yeah, he's got to go. But he's, he's, he's since sort of put an, an Instagram message up saying that don't listen to all the nonsense. It's I'm 100% committed. And I've got to believe that, you know. Um, I thought he had a decent game against City. It was sort of tough to start him, I guess, for Oli, I guess. Obviously, under under all the pressure. But I'm glad he did. And I thought he put in a decent performance. Um, Surely Pogba's got a sack as agent. Yeah, that's, that's, that's for me, is the big thing. But, I mean, Real has got so much control over every, over football, really. It's, it's Obviously, they've got their own relationship um, that goes back years and years and years. But, yeah, I think, for me, he has to let Raiola go. But deep down, I think Pogba does want to leave the club. But as long as, until he does, which I think will be in the summer, realistically, I don't think you'll, a deal of this sort of magnitude can't get done in January for me. So I think it'll be in the summer. 
But as long as he gives 100% every time he puts on the shirt, from now till then, I'm happy. And he can he can go to Juventus or Madrid or wherever he wants to go to. Um, but I, it's, it's, he is, as you say, he is the sort of scapegoat. It's, he's received a lot of criticism. Some of it deserved, to be fair, because of his performances. But yeah, it, it would be quite quite nice, I guess, to sort of not have that sort of focus on him all the time, rather. But It'll be interesting, but I think he will go in the summer. But as I say, mm. if he's if he if he plays hundred percent every time he puts on the shirt, I can't complain. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because um sort of the way I'm looking at it, I, I see it as Pogba's using Rayola to take the fall for his own opinions, because ultimately I don't think the 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 uh, sort of his man his agent would come out and say what he had what he has without the players' approval, because if if he hadn't, then he would, you know, most football players would sack him. So I wonder if he's using his agent as almost the full guy, mm. and is that why players are so loyal and stay with him as an agent because he's willing to be the sort of bad guy and stir things up to help get them their moves away. But then this Rayola always does this. He always comes out stories on the sort of evening of big. I remember a few years ago. The Manchester Derby, the night before the Manchester Derby, he leaked a story that he wants to go to City, just from out of nowhere. He loves sort of doing this. For me, I, I think I see it as a sort of a power grab, that look how much power I've got over these players. And I think, realistically, he, he does have that power. He, if he wants Pogba to move, Pogba basically doesn't have a say, I guess. Um, I think he's that powerful as an agent, which is obviously completely wrong, in my opinion, because agents shouldn't have that sort of power but I think Rayola does on these sort of players and Haaland has Rayola as his agent and I hope that he doesn't ruin his career by sort of forcing him to make moves that he doesn't want to um, for the future but I think for me I wouldn't deal with Rayola ever again after Pogba leaves because he's just he's an absolute disgrace to football Um, even though he's got so many good clients like obviously everyone would want to sign Haaland but for me, it's it's not worth that baggage that Rayola comes brings with yeah, it. Ibrahimovic as well, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. And his massive client as well. He's all, he's got all these big clients. I don't know why. I mean, I guess he gets them those big money moves and makes them a lot of money. So I guess that's why they put kind of stay with him. But Rayola, for me, the reason he leaked this story is to try and sort of, I guess, cause other clubs around Europe to become interested in Pogba. Because for me, if on the basis of his individual performances, would he really get his big move to Madrid or Barcelona next summer? I'd, I'd probably not. But if sort of Rola sort of stirring up these stories, oh, he wants to leave maybe Madrid and Barca and think, oh, actually, we can get him on the cheap here rather than spending 80, 90 million. We could probably pick him up 40 or 50. Um, but it's just classic Rola, and I hope we never do business with any of his clients again. <laughs> we shall see. Pogba, of always the enigma, of course. <laughs> Well, I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, back to back in the domestic environment, uh, the surprises of the season. Obviously, we mentioned Arsenal earlier in the podcast and probably Man United and Man City could both go in that bracket. I think everyone thought City would be immediately challenging for the top couple of spaces and probably United, surprising they're doing so well after yeah. <laughs> a, few, a, few, a few poor seasons. Um what what have been the biggest surprises for you boys this season? Obviously, we've got some clubs down the bottom who maybe shouldn't be there or weren't expected to be, and equally at the top. Um, yeah. Who 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 would you say is the biggest surprise package so far this season? I think there's I think there's a few standouts, but for me the big one is West Ham. Um, 
I think Southampton's also a sort of unmentioned, but I thought I thought they had a sort of really good end to last season. So I thought I kind of expected them to push on. But West Ham, I mean, they're they're sitting in sixth place at the moment, sort of five points off the top of the league, and they're just slowly going around, going about their business. I think with David Moyes at, at the wheel, I think <laughs> they're doing they're doing a really good job. I mean, I watched their first game at home to Newcastle, and they were woeful. And yet he's turned it around, and they're putting in some good performances. Um, Obviously, getting some good results recently. Obviously, we beat them, but that was, you know, we were 1-0 down, and realistically, we should have been 2 or 3-0 down at half-time against them, but luckily, we pulled it back. So, I think West Ham, for me, have been the biggest surprise of the season. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with that. I'd go Southampton, personally. Yeah, Southampton. Yeah, like, well. you know, like they, they've just been playing so well, and that all of their players, you look at their squads, and before this season, you wouldn't, you know, you would have gone, it's very, very average you know apart from Danny Ings say but then there's players like you know James Ward-Prowse he's been on fire for them Jay Adams he's scoring left right and centre you know their whole team has just been playing phenomenally well at the moment and they yes they were playing well at the end of last season but no one expects them to be fourth after 12 games that's come completely out of nowhere they were top of the table at one point like it's just I think that is fair I expected them to be top half, but I didn't expect them to be this good. I think, that's, I, that's I think to put to context as well, when you consider um, Hassan Hootel as well at the time, beaten 9-0 by Leicester at home early um, last season, I think the recovery from that, because that that is one of the lowest of the lows, I think, isn't it? To lose by such a margin. Mm-hmm. How he's recovered it, Hassan Hootel, from that, I think is incredible. And I think in, in itself deserves... Um, admiration he's he's done a great job over here and i think you could see hassan hootel going to a, a bigger club maybe in the, in the next few years if he can keep up this performance with southampton mm. well how about at the bottom of the table because i think everyone could have probably foreseen fulham and west brom to be in and amongst it by by uh, this time in the season and obviously brighton burnley probably not uh, too surprising arsenal obviously we mentioned is a surprise already but <laughs> Sheffield United on just one point, eight points adrift now from safety after just twelve games. I mean, it seems it's, it seems ridiculous. I, I was looking at the stats on on match of the day, and nineteen twenty you have to go back to for the last time a club had this bad a start to the to the uh, to a top flight season. Because um, you can't see any way out of it for them, and and how have they ended up in this situation? I, f- I feel so sorry for, for Chris Wilder. I mean, the game against Leicester, I thought they played really well. And then a last-minute winner from Jamie Vardy. And he, he sort of cut to Wilder and he sort of had his head in his hands. And it's just everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong this season for them. Um, I, f- I, f- I feel really bad for them. Um, individual errors are costing them. And I think it's it's crazy because, I mean, eight months ago, they were sitting in the top four. Like, you know, they were going for Champions League. You're thinking, what what, what an amazing job he's doing. Um, but now, fast forward to now, I think maybe it's just caught up to them. Um, maybe the squad isn't as good as what it sort of seemed last season. Um, the big players aren't really performing. Um, but the new signings haven't really worked. I mean, Brewster, has he really done much? I don't, you know, he's not, not been as effective as I thought he would be. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very worrying for them. I mean, obviously, we all know that Derby of the current record for the worst ever season, but I think that could be up for debate off by the end of this season. I think Sheffield United could do even worse, unfortunately. Can you see a way out for them, Hyron or, or Rod? 
Yeah, I, I, I never expected them to do brilliant. I just, I think they're already gone. You know, I'd, it'd be interesting to see what the odds are with the bookies about them not getting relegated. Um, like, I just can't see them being able to turn it around at this point. You know, they're just playing awfully at the moment. They probably will turn it around against United now. I've said <laughs> that, but that would be classic United to bottle it against them. Yeah, classic. Just look at a quick look now at uh, Sheffield United's odds to stay up. One to five. No, that God. can't be right. Is that for them I'm to get relegated? To down. <laughs> that must be to go down. It's not good, is it, really? <laughs> yeah, most most actually, yeah, it must be. Most are saying three three to one, ten to three to stay up. Yeah. What's Arsenal's odds? I've <laughs> got them. Arsenal's odds to to stay up. No, they've not. They've not got Arsenal odds. It doesn't. They don't exist. Wow. Wow, surely oh, someone's going to be giving on to us getting relegated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She- Sheffield United th- three Worth three to one to stay up. West Brom eleven to four. Fulham eleven to ten. That's pretty good. But yeah, they've not got any of the sort of traditional big six even of gods for them. So, but yeah, I'm surprised. I thought I thought you'd get something on that. To be fair to Fulham though, they have sort of picked up in performances. So I'm not quite. I'm not surprised at those those odds there. <laughs> I bet Paddy Power are bricking it because they've already paid out on them going down. Like, so. <laughs> he loses a lot of money if he manages to stay up. But I was very impressed with them, especially against Liverpool on the weekend. I thought a ridiculous VAR decision, and they could have been two 0 up at half time. Um, obviously, then Mo Salah doing what he always does, salmoning around, flying. You know, <laughs> we all know he's he loves he loves a cheeky dive or two, and then Klopp's comments after the game and always moaning about injuries and stuff is. It's making me hate Liverpool even more than I already do, and I just don't want them to win the league. So, fingers crossed, Spurs do the job tomorrow night. I'm hoping for another Mourinho masterclass, personally. I don't want any of them winning it. <laughs> We're all looking forward to that match here, and I think that podcast will be coming out around about the same time as that match is live on TV. So, hope you're enjoying that match too as you listen. Um, Thanks very much, lads, for coming on the podcast again tonight. Um, I have got to announce that this will be our penultimate uh, episode ever we'll be doing one more uh in the new year just to round off they think it's all over for one last time as we all uh well move, move on with our lives in in the graduate world um so yeah look looking forward to one more time uh, anything else you, you'd like to add boys uh for the end of this this episode nah too dead inside from supporting <laughs> arsenal you want the season to end now rod i bet <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd take it in the pain. Take the 15th and move on. I'm worried you're going to be like, Lord. I'm, I'm looking forward to that next episode to see, uh, to discuss Arsenal in, in the bottom three. So uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll speak to you all again then. This has been, they think it's all over, and it is now. <laughs>